And welcome on this Saturday morning to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery. Hello, I'm Dan DiOrio along with Ethan Wise from Hair Nursery. Green Thumb heard every Saturday at 7 o'clock. I think we only got about five, six weeks left yeah. before the end of it's October. It's creeping up. End of October, the last show. And the end of the year. Uh, we do have a Ricky Dose update, the uh, second or third cousin, distant cousin of Steve the Plant. Uh, we couldn't save the original cousin, first cousin Ricky, but third cousin Ricky Dose. You cleaned him off. Yep, he looks Got great. all the branches out. Yep. Uh, you got rid of his girdled roots. Girdled yes. roots sounds like something that would be a side effect to uh, prescription drugs along with weepy bowel syndrome and girdled roots. Yeah. And you don't want either. I feel like it's like some sort of uh, uh, symptom that causes your toes to get all curled up yes. over each other. You can't walk. Yes. You got to get prescription shoes. That's what happens with a tree. So you combed it all out, got yep. out the dead roots, uh, let them sit that way for a while, missed them as he dried out. Yes. Put them back in. He got a bath. Fresh, got a bath, fresh soil. Yes. And he spent the last two weeks at a remote location in the Caribbean. <laughs> and With now friends. he's back in our studio. Still doesn't look brand new, but looks much better. Yes. Well, it's the new outfit. You know, it's amazing how a fresh new outfit can really change the yes. demeanor of someone. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got new clothes. Um, he got quite a severe haircut, but mm -hmm. he's going to grow new hair. Yep. Um, and we're just going to prevent it from being all nasty dreaded up how how often do we water him so um same with steve about once no more than twice a month okay um so now right now steve the plant sitting by you yes. uh and uh, by the way he got a, a a play drawn up for him um by bradley head coach brian wardle a play drawn up it's okay. an old one called the hoe and spade <laughs> and uh Specifically for Ricky. Okay. But you're saying that he's a little droopy. He needs some water. Yes. Yeah. So with with the Sansevieria's in particular, uh, what's great about him now, it's going to perk right back up after you get of a drink. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not like a hydrangea um, or if you're into annuals uh, like... Um, Oh my gosh, Lantana, you know, where it's just like you come home after work and the leaves are just, just horribly sad. And if you didn't water it that day, the next day, they're going to fall off. Yeah. So what's so great about the Sansevierias is they'll get those weepy leaves, but they can hold on to those for another week or two without water. And then when you water them, they perk right back up. So yeah, after the show, we're just going to give um, him a nice little drink and, and tomorrow he'll be. Yeah. All, all up again. Now, he's been in that little container inside the nice decorative pot for yes. a while. Uh, when will we expand his roots and give him dirt? I again? would say sometime next year. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. He could last in this in this pot for a while. What's great about uh, many succulents, including the Sansevierias, is they like to be root-bound. So they don't want to get oh, to the really? point where, you know, 10 years down the road, there's, there's too much roots. When you get too many roots in a pot, then what happens? happens is the water just falls right through the container and the soil can't absorb it because there's too many roots in the soil um, but there's an in-between time a Goldilocks zone where they're perfectly rooted in there it's really anchored that plant in and it gives security to the plant and many succulents like that I found um, through trial and error myself with because I have so many different um, succulents and cacti that taking a smaller plant say you upgrade so Ricky um, is or I'm sorry Steve is in about a three and a half inch pot and if I took uh, Steve and I put him in a six to eight inch pot he would probably start to decline even if everything really? stayed the same and the reason why is his roots are very small 
And when you put a small rooted plant in a container with a much larger volume of space available to it, then those roots stay right up here in the top. They're surrounded by all this soil. And because of gravity, when you water, all that water is going to go straight to the bottom of the container. And even though it's a succulent, it doesn't want a lot of water. It's never going to see that water for very long mm. because all of it is in the bottom of this much larger container that's three, four times the size of the root ball. So you have to have the roots near the bottom of the container yes. to d absorb that water. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So if we were to upgrade um, Steve's wardrobe, then uh, we would probably go to maybe a five-inch container. So like I said, he's in a three-and-a-half, maybe four-inch container. We'd really only want to go one, maybe two inches larger. How do I know when to do that? Will Steve tell me? Yes. So one of the great things, that I, one of the ways uh, that I tell people, and a great way to kind of really discern when it's time to upgrade your plant is when it starts to decline and nothing else that you've done has changed. Uh, your watering routine hasn't changed. Your fertilizer routine hasn't changed. The light. It's, light, it's light source hasn't changed. Um, it's not next to a heater or an air vent. Nothing's changed. You can't notice any bugs on it, but the plant is declining. Yeah. And then many times people will, come, will bring their plants in. It's like, I don't know. I've had it for 10 years and now it just is bombing and I'll take it out of the container and it's all roots, just nothing but roots um, in, in the pot. And I'm like, ah, it is root bound. We need to break this root system up. We need to repot it with fresh soil and we maybe need to upgrade the container. You know what? Um, it, it would be great. Uh, you would have to have a smock, but it would be a green smock. But the trend in healthcare these days is, uh, especially in rural communities, is to do your doctor visits uh, via video. Uh, what you should do is set up where you're the doctor, Dr. Plant, and people people come to you and go, here, what's happening to Susie? And I, then I love that. <laughs> well, you know, that's something that we do at Hair Nursery so often. We talk to people on the phone. I mean, the phone's ringing off the hook at Hair Nursery. Yeah. And when we pick it up and we say, well, you know, people will describe the symptoms to yes. us. And almost always we say, can you send us a picture? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's more difficult um, to do that. So you know, like, can you email us a picture? We have a specific cell phone yeah. associated to the horticulturist and the sales yard that will give you that number so you can text us a picture. Yeah. Bring the plant in. Don't dig it up because that could be the fine that could be the last nail in the coffin. Yeah. Um, but if, if you could somehow show us the plant, yeah. that makes our job so much easier. And we can say, oh, it's this. Develop a platform. It's not Zoom. It's called Seed. Yes. It's a seed meeting. And then you people can go and then a little video and they're there face to face with you and they can show you the plant. That's yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like Dr. that a Green. lot. Dr. Green. Mm -hmm. that, that's your name. But mm -hmm. but anyway, that that's the thing is that so when, when it starts to decline, you've done everything else. Now, here's the thing, and probably we'll get into this in a subsequent shows. And that's um, I you you sent me some pictures of Ricky uh, uh, Ricky Dose uh, rehabbing at your mm -hmm. house. The succulent succulents that you have, I'm like I want those. <laughs> it, I can give you some cuttings. But it's such a wide variety, and yes. it looks so wonderful together. And you had decorative things around it and decorative pots. Mm -hmm. I go, in the middle of winter, if you had a window, a southern window, now not all succulents like direct light. Always Correct. Like, but if you had that around, and especially if you had flowering cactuses, a few do flower, 
in the middle of winter you'd feel like, and you don't have to put a lot of effort into it, like you're gardening. Yes, I love it. And I'll do that. So um, that's something that uh, both uh, Lindsay and I, uh, my fiance next month getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I'm just going to call her my wife. If she's listening, she'll really like that. Um, so what we like to do over winter is that's when we repot our plants. Mm-hmm. It gets us into gardening mode again. It's December, yes. it's January, and we still get to play with our plants. We still get that sort of biophilia, that, that love of being in touch with nature. And so we have this, like, you know, we'll clear off the kitchen table, we'll put out a mat, and we have all these little tools, and we'll start you know, upgrading our See, plants. That's something Greg Batten would, would love because it's little tools. I little love shovels. Little tools we do. We have little shovels. We have little air poofer, you know, because you, do, you don't want your container to be too dirty and you want dirt on your leaves. So we have a little air yeah. poofer. We'll blow the dirt off the, yeah. off the leaves. Well, because uh, we only have five or six shows left, we'll spend a whole day uh, in a couple of weeks talking about um, winter gardening, yeah. how to set up your shelves, mm-hmm. what succulents, what indoor house plants do you put where. Overwintering some herbs, maybe. Overwintering herbs or even some other plants. Or peppers. maybe you have tropicals you want to yeah. bring in peppers. Yes. Because uh, I, I like the look of that and I like to be able to have the greenery. And the feel of gardening throughout the winter. Yeah, it's just it's peaceful, it's zen, catharsis. Yes. Yeah, it just it feels good. Yeah, and and in that area by that window, I do want to have the little fountain going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like just that. just to make it a a room that's like oh it's winter but it's still summer yes. or whatever. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, so let's go now. Uh, pests. One of the things we talked about that you just came on your radar was something called army worms, which are yes. migrating from the south. Yes. It's a problem. I told Greg about this. He's like, where did this? He goes, they're migrating? They're, yes. what, are they flying in or what? So what we've been able to tell is they're, li- they're from all the storms that came um, from the southwest, kind of moving up this way. Um, oh, not from the southeast. I'm the sorry. South- I'm sorry. The southeast. southeast. Yes. Yeah. The storms coming from the southeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and... What they've done is they brought these pests that were more prominently a problem in the southern states. And we have army worms every once in a while, but never something that's been this serious of a problem mm-hmm. uh, in the Midwest. And the theory is that they got uplifted um, in these storms and then dropped down in the rainfall. Uh, and now we have army worms that are destroying people's yards. Mm-hmm. And at first, I thought some of them, uh, some of these pictures or descriptions that people were giving me sounded like a fungal infection. Sounded like maybe brown patch or dollar spot. Something like that was going wrong in someone's yard. Only to find out uh, that, no, this is army worms that's causing some of the damage. Yeah. And one of the ways you can tell if you have this ever-growing brown spot in your yard. I told Greg so- about this. this. I said, how do, I, how do you know? I go, because look, uh, on the leaves, the brown leaves, will be little green helmets. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Little green helmets. And you'll see, like, little gunfire going <laughs> yeah, off exactly. here and there. Small little green No, but how, how do you, what's the best way? <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> dumping uh, soapy water. Uh, on that spot. So so dump a little bit of uh, Dawn dish soap or whatever dish soap you have in a bucket of water, swirl it up, and then pour it over that area. And it'll bubble. Let it once it's kind of fizzled. Don't get it too too soapy to the point where you can't see anything for an hour because it's so th- sudsy. Um, but what'll it'll cause the worms to start writhing and wiggling all so over the place. So you can see movement. Yes, and then at that point you're like, oh no, I have the worms, um, which you don't you, you might have to call your doctor about. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
uh, what we've what we found out was grub control, uh, grub X, uh, granular control that you'd put down normally for grubs. The active ingredient in it will also kill the armyworms. And now is not a bad time to put down grub control um, because uh, what happens with grubs is they go from uh, the, the egg to the they start coming in spring to eat the grass. Well, once they get laid into the ground after summer and the, the mature versions of that larva, before they go further down into the ground, they're still at the surface. So you can apply grub control in spring and in fall. You kill them in spring before they hatch and you uh, or before they metamorphosize, and then you kill them in fall right after they've hatched. And that's the best plan of attack. Yes, it is, because uh, in fall... Especially now. By the way, uh, I'll talk about this. I went short, and I'm watering. I cut my uh, mowing down in half because mm-hmm. I like the look, and yep. now I'm watering just to keep up because mm-hmm. it's going to turn cool quick anyway. Yes, seventies uh, next week. Um, but you kind of get your lawn where you want it in the fall. Yes, and the larvae is just hatched. Mm-hmm. And then you look out, and it looked like small hand grenades went over all your, <laughs> all your lawn. It's because the raccoons are digging them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they're digging. So that's always a, uh, a, or moles. You know, started noticing. You know, like, yeah. Why do I have so many moles hey, in my yard now? Hey, knock on wood. I don't have any moles at my house. Okay, Eight good. Eight years. Yeah. All right. That means you probably don't have a good food source for them. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. But yeah, that's one thing I'll tell people. Like, I have moles just coming out of my ears. And, and it's just like, oh, well, uh, have you checked to see if you have grubs in your soil? Yeah. And about 50% of the time, it's like, I did notice I have grubs. Now, the old timers say that the raccoons will eat the grubs. Mm-hmm. Moles will eat uh, grubs, but they also like worms. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And and sometimes if you have voles, then they're going to destroy some of your plants as well. Yeah. So, oof. By the way, I haven't tried it because this works if you have moles, voles, chipmunks, mm-hmm. anything that burrows underground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I thought about napalm and poison. Yeah. But I do have some neighborhood this... neighborhood cats. I worry about that. But <laughs> you did say, and it, it's, I won't say spotty, it works somewhat, but you have spikes that go into the ground. Yes. Work on, a, uh, I, I think, a 9-volt or a D battery. Right. And every 30 seconds, it sends signals out just to drive them nuts. It's a yes. low frequency or whatever frequency it is that goes underground. And I don't know how many you put in an area, but you said people have... It's help. Yes, I've had success with it. I know my mom's had success with them. Um, I've had, uh, there's another horticulturist at Hair Nursery. Um, she said she's had success with them. What we've found out is I think the best way to use them is to put them next to the foundation of your house where it okay. can reverberate. And that's where the chipmunks burrow. Right? Yes, where it can reverberate off of that foundation versus putting it right smack dab out in the open. Mm-hmm. Then it's not nearly as effective. But put it next to something that it can echo and reverberate off yeah. of, and I think you get a stronger effect. And does it work? I've, I, I believe it worked. So my story that I told you and that I've told other people is I started using them, and this was way before I got into horticulture. I lived in a different house in West Peoria, and I put them in there, gave it a shot. My neighbor, about two weeks later, comes to the fence. He's like, are you doing something to the mole? What's going on with moles in your yard? And I didn't know. I feel like I need to plead the fifth. I was like, I'm not admitting to anything. Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> and, and he said, well, the moles in my yard are obscene right now. I have so many of them. And I said, oh, okay, yes, yes. Uh, I put sonic spikes in the ground, and mm-hmm. so they must be 
moving into your yard. Yeah. And so I told him to put them in his yard and bump them down the street. Yes. So that's that was the game plan. Uh, how big of an area does it cover? So one Sonic Spike says it covers about 15,000 square feet. Wow. I, uh, eh, that's a lot. Yeah, that's what the box says. Yeah. Um, I think you're better off, you know, maybe putting two or three around your house in your gardens. Yes. And I think it can help repel in the garden, but I don't think it's going to help repel them at the edge of your garden over by where your fence is. Right. Um, but I just want the chipmunks out. Yeah, just want if you want a specific area yeah. that you don't want them in, put a sonic spike there, and I think it can help. Because there is a very effective way. Uh, it includes a bucket, a little sweetener, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, sawdust and a little... Yeah, kind of and high, a little ramp. A little and, ramp. Yep, and, uh, well, it's kind of a cruel way to do it. It's what the old-timers told me. Well, yeah. it works, I'm so. not capturing anything and bringing it out to the country. It's just going to find its way back. Yes. Or something else is going to get it. So, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. We're so. not on a shortage of those critters. No, no. <laughs> But like, uh, just like in life, when you're cute, you get away with a lot. It's true. I used yeah. to think that. I have a sign out there for when we put bulbs up. I was like, they're cute until they destroy your garden. I have a picture of a little baby deer yeah. and a squirrel and a rabbit. Yeah. yeah. So uh, We only have about five or six weeks left of the uh, Green Thumb Garden Show uh, as we'll head into winter. Although, uh, I'll tell you this, and maybe somewhere in the future will pop up. You could do the whole winter because you are an indoor plant nut aren't mm-hmm. you yeah. that's why that's where i feel like i thrive the best in yeah. i'll talk trees and shrubs and perennials we do it every week yeah. but oh man if you really want to set me wind me up and watch me go just yeah. let me talk about cactus and succulents you know we did uh, 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 a couple of weeks ago we did flashback to the 70s here on green thumb and we brought up something that no one does anymore uh, it was big in the 60s and 70s, and it's easy to regenerate into new plants, and that's the old spider plant. Yes, yeah. and they're making a strong comeback. Are they? And we have Well, a... you know what? Soon as marijuana was legalized, yes. then the spider plant comes back. They came back, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, wow, I didn't even think about that connection. Yeah. Because I, I do. Sometimes when sometimes people come in and ask for a spider plant, and I'm like, I know what you like, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> but... um. Uh, so with the the spider plant, they're just so easy. Yes. My gosh, you oh. have to water it with gasoline to kill well, your spider plants. The, the only thing I think as easy or easier than a spider plant is a philodendron. Yeah. I have a philodendron, and I hadn't watered it a month and a half, and it's starting to feel the leaves brown. Yeah. So I, I uh, you know how we have uh, bottled water the kids have left over? So I got four or five of the bottom, <laughs> and I just put it in there, and the thing just took off. I mean, really, the the tentacles grew about three, four feet yeah. a week. I love the bottled water method. That's what we do. In our, it's like, oh, that bottle of water. It's about an inch of water in that bottle of water yeah. that's been there for several days. I yeah. think it's time to water a plant now. That's what or I the, do. Or the old dog, the, you know, the one where before dumping the dog bowl out. It's yes. like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to dump that in my plant here. Yeah. <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah, but spider plants are making a comeback. All right. Um... What's going on in your garden? We use your garden as a microcosm. Sure. There are some pests that popped up in about two weeks. You go, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? Yeah. So uh, talked about tomato hornworms. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so tomato hornworm was chewing up one of my tomatoes. And it kind of looks like a caterpillar or a worm with horns, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's it's big. It's like the size of one of your fingers. It oh. is a massive caterpillar. Uh-huh. Um, and it produces a mat or it turns into it's a massive a, moth. It's kind of a pretty color, though. It is, it? Yeah, yeah. Really bright, vibrant green. Um, these uh, little kind of white, yellow stripes ever so often on it. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not striped so heavily like a monarch, but occasionally. And it is amazing how this big, fat, disgusting sucker can really camouflage, just camouflage itself on your plant because when you actually find it yeah you're like how did i miss this this is massive it's a massive it's like a sharpie pen yeah you know crawling across your plant it just blows my mind so um, is it is it eat the leaves or the fruit both uh-huh. both they will do both um and uh, so between, and it was one of my tomatoes, one of my favorite, called a lemon boy, um, which is like a yellow-orange fruit. It's less acidic. It's so delicious. It's sweet almost, Oh, right? it's so good on a burger. Yeah. Um, I've used it several times this year grilling out, and I just pop it right off the plant. But uh, I wasn't able to do that um, too much. Um uh, recently because all the fruit is destroyed and eaten and also realized that a squirrel has also been jumping down, hanging from my tomato cage uh, and plucking the fruits. Yeah. And squirrels, they're really nice about how they pick your fruit. They like to take a couple bites and then just leave it there. Oh, I hate it, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that about them. It's uh, like going uh, going home at, a middle, at midnight and, and you see and you got little kids. Who took two bites out of the cookie and left it? Right. It's, it's just like, like <laughs> you took a or like the, the spoonful out of the Cool Whip or yeah. something. Something like that, like, what are you doing, you yeah. animal? <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so between that, uh, the, the squirrel and the tomato hornworm did a number on my lemon boy tomato. Oh. Um, but my other two tomatoes are doing just fine. Now, uh, how do you combat that? Because I know with slugs, you get some salt water spray. You put sure. it on the slug, and you can start hearing them scream. And yes. Just... It, does, is, is that a homemade remedy? Well, you wouldn't want to spray the salt water on your plant, though, because okay. um, it could burn the plant. Okay. So sodium is a, is a, one of those uh, nutrients that the plant needs, but in very small doses. Okay. And too much easily burns it. And people might notice that, too. Like, their plants by their mailbox or by the side of the road. Well, in, in the Midwest, when we start plowing and they had the salt in there, their yep. plants start to die. And that's because of the salt burn. All right. So what do you do with a hornworm? Um, well, there's a spray that you can use, a BT. Mm-hmm. Which is a bacteria. It's a specific type of bacillus that does not affect us, but affects them. So I don't want people to feel like, I don't want to spray bacteria on my plants and and get a contagion. It's not going to harm you, um, but it goes right after it parasitizes it. Also, if you happen to see uh, any wasps around your tomato plant, that can sometimes be an indicator that you have tomato worms, and they will parasitize the tomato worm as well. They will inject it uh, and lay their eggs uh, inside of it and on it. It's kind of a gross, horrible way to go, but... Those worms suck, so I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for them. Yeah, um, and so that's that can be a sign of natural pest control. That is, yeah, already you said for that you. wasps are very beneficial. Oh my gosh, they are natural killers of so many pests that destroy and bother our plants. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't mess around. They're not very picky. These these uh, worms, uh, these horn uh, ringworms, they they can do it in like two days, right? It is insane how much one worm. Yeah will decimate like uh, an eighth of your plant in yeah. one go and just because it, it happens so fast you think it's a disease you think like some sort of infection guy you're like oh my gosh it's yeah. dying it's like no it was a tomato worm or you'll just notice you'll go out there and like why is a part of my plant just missing yeah just gone completely so gone you got to be vigilant and yes. check it two three times a day look underneath the leaves is look that what they underneath the leaves yes okay. all right um 
but and grasshoppers. That's the other one. Okay, I was going to say grass. I've seen a ton of grasshoppers everywhere, and are they devastating as well? What do they go after? Everything. Oh my gosh. Um, right, they're they're a little bit worse this year than I remember them being last year. I don't quite remember what happened in 2019. Yeah, we don't get the Japanese beetles this year, but we get grasshoppers, yeah. right? And they uh so they are destructive, but and it can be a little bit more destructive in your vegetable garden maybe, especially on your leaf or leafy greens. Mm-hmm. You're probably battling all kinds of things, slugs, snails, the grasshoppers, um squash bugs. Squash bugs. Ugh. Yeah, this four letter word for me. Um but the uh the the grasshoppers, while they can seem like they're being destructive and they cause very unattractive damage because they go right after the margins and they start mowing them down, um, probably not something you really need to spray or use control for. Uh, just be aware that what's causing that damage is grasshopper. When you see them, flick them away, do what you can. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're so heavy at hair nursery, I step on one on accident every day. Really? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, whoa, I stepped on a stick. Oh, no, it was just a big grasshopper. Gross. Yeah, so squash bugs, uh, they're attacking your squash and what else? Cabbage or what else? Yeah, they... they primarily are going to go after um, what do is referred to as your cucurbits. Um, and that's going to be your cucumbers, your melons, your squash, uh, pumpkins, anything in that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they will just decimate them. What they do is they, they can lay their eggs inside the big stems because the, if you have a really big squash plant, those are hollow brown oh, stems. that's where the, uh, uh, what are they, the uh, uh, slugs. Yes, they hang out inside there. Oh, they'll s- nibble a hole in there and then they'll lay their eggs in it's there. It's like a plant B&B. And, yeah, now yeah. they have a highway to travel up and down your plants, oh. and they suck the squash bugs. They have a little proboscis, and they suck the life okay, out of so your plant. I remember one year, it looked great on the outside, and I opened it up, and it was like, boom. So is there any preventative you can do? Not really. That's what's tough. Um, the Really, the best way to prevent a serious squash bug infection is to see it right when it starts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us don't. Uh, squash have really big leaves. When they start to mature, it's really hard to kind of really see what's going on in your squash yes. plant because of how massive the plant is and how big those leaves are. And they like to hang out under the leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you usually don't know you have a problem until it's it's a big problem and when you start seeing on the outside you know the inside's decimated it's just it's yeah yeah, it's damaged i i am surprised they have not come up with some sort of organic product that you can spray directly on your food that has some sort of scent or deterrent for some of these pests well, there is an insecticide made with an organic product, um, pyrethrin, which is derived from the chrysanthemum plant, um, which is what people are buying right now to decorate their outside. Um, and it is an insecticide, and it is more natural. I would always recommend washing your fruit off, you know, right. b- before before eating it uh, after using that product. But it's pretty well effective. Um, and so it's- you can spray your squash in all year. Well, you know what? Technically. If you buy any food from the grocery store, you should be watching it any uh, watching yes. it anyway because there are a residue of insecticides mm-hmm. on there, and right? fungicides and all, all kinds of stuff. stuff oh right. yeah. So if you use what you're talking about, it's a natural organic insecticide. Right. Why can't you spray your stuff heavy all? Well, not heavy, but 
regularly all year, would it be effective as a preventative? Well, unfortunately, no uh, spray insecticide really acts as a preventative. It's contact kill only. I see. And, and they recommend don't use it more than seven days after, you know, you going to have to put it on seven-day intervals because too much will burn or hurt the plant, even the organic mm-hmm. products. So you can only apply it every seven to ten days, and uh, and it only kills the bugs that you hit on day one. And then seven days later, you have a whole new hatch of insects. So And yeah. squash bugs are notoriously immune to a lot of chemicals, and the ones that will kill it, you don't really want to spray f- yeah. the plants that you're going to eat with. It's just kind of So gross. you just got to deal with the squash bugs? When you see them, what do you do? Uh, well, you hope that you can harvest a few more squash. Really? Um, at my, both of my squash plants are dead. Uh, so once the squash bugs hit me... Um, there was just no real coming back. It was too heavy. It was too much. My garden was too full. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just kind of I yanked them out. So that they started to die. I pulled my last two squash off. Mm-hmm. Um, I said the last rites, and I yanked the squash out of the <laughs> ground. Wow. It's, been a, it's funny because we were cruising along in the oath. No, the pests haven't been bad this year. You shouldn't have said that. And then all you of a sudden, yourself. squash bugs completely and it happened quick. Yes. In less than two and weeks. And the hornworms and the grasshoppers. Oh, everything my came gosh. Yeah. It's like nature was like, <laughs> this cat over here. What all is right. he saying? We talked a little bit about the yards, the army worms. I said, I've, I'm cutting it short now because I like a shortcut. You can see the lines better. Yeah. Uh, but I'm just watering more. 70s are coming next week. So you can start cutting it a little shorter, right? Yes, but the cooler temps, yeah. uh, hopefully we can start getting some rainfall. I was hoping that come fall we were going to get a little bit of rain, but it's been missing us here. Yes. Um, I don't want a monsoon like and, we had. Uh, you know, I know you're supposed to water trees all year, but I just think at this time of the year, I, I want to relieve the trees. So I've been doing the sprinklers uh, about sure. an hour every four days. You sure. Know. Especially coming off of this hot summer we had, they'll yeah. be very grateful for that. Yes. If you have new trees, you got to keep watering them. Yep. Your deciduous trees. Keep watering them till the leaves drop off. So your evergreens, you can keep watering till the ground freezes. Now, if you want to do fall mulching, you got plenty of mulch, right? Oh, we got so much mulch. Yeah, yeah. bags in bulk, uh, all the different colors you can imagine. You can get natural, you can get brown dyed, you can get red dyed, black yeah. dyed. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So uh, we're into fall. I do like, um, and I've, I haven't done that before, and I want to start doing it more and more. And that's sprucing up. Uh, because the only thing left right now, I've got one variety of hosta that has little blue flowers left. I'm okay. going back. I'm cutting everything to the stem. Sure. I'm cleaning everything up. Uh, but luckily, I have uh, what's my favorite uh, in the fall? Is uh, it that? Is it that? Uh, sedum. The juga? Oh, sedum. Ah, sedum. sedum. I should have known that. Uh, so that's fall color. Yes. So, and they're full bloom now at Hair Nursery. Oh, oh they're gorgeous. I love sedum. And, and you have different varieties because I have that purple blue. Mm-hmm. There's like a dozen different ones that we have, and there's oh. even more than that that exists. It's small leaf varieties, large leaf varieties, variegated ones with red blooms, ones with pink blooms, oh. ones with yellow flowers, ground if, covers. If you want to fill shrubs. in, once you're Hostas are gone. Uh, annuals help color year-wise. But if you want to get that flower late in the year, I suggest sedums. But getting mums and sticking them in mm-hmm. pots inside your flower beds gives you that burst yes. of fall color. Yes, yes. And, and mums are gorgeous right now. And if you want to get a mum that's going to give you a longer season color, um, get one that's not blooming yet. Um, so, yes, it's like I understand you got like an event coming up or you just want a nice spice of color. You know, you get one that's starting to flower. We'll know that probably within a week um, to 10 days it's going to be done and you're going to just have a green shrub. Some mums are annual. Some make it biannual. 
right? So, yeah, some there are some moms look for an igloo mom. Uh-huh. Um, and we do have a selection of those. We still sell them as annuals, but you do have a chance of getting that to overwinter. They are hardy up to zone five. Mm-hmm. The problem is why so many people struggle with getting a mum to overwinter is you usually don't buy them until fall. That's when they tend to be available. And if you buy one that's already pushing off flowers or starting to flower, well, that's where all of its energy is going to. I see. That's where it's that's where its mind has made up. It's like, nope, it's time to flower. I'm not rooting. And so you can't get it to root. You have this beautiful flowering plant, but you can't get it to root because it is not in the mindset to do that. Mm-hmm. So your best chance is to get one that's not flowering or ooh, maybe maybe cut the flowers off. But that's not yeah. usually what people buy mums for. Right. Get a root stimulator and get it planted as soon as you can. Okay. And mulch. Mulch your mum. Some people, and, and they just take uh, the pot that it's in and then kind of half bury it. Yeah. So it's even with the other plants, and mm-hmm. then that way they don't need root stimulator, and they know that's going to be just for a year. I am right. surprised in our Frankenstein plant DNA development world where we're developing all new things that they haven't developed a mum that's more of a perennial. Well, the catch is you can get a mum. If you find a mum in spring, yeah. you'll probably get it to be a, a perennial. Um, the, really? Why yeah, is that? Well, the cat it's the industry catch. You know, They want you to keep coming in fall to buy those mums. They don't want to make them available to you in spring. They don't make them necessarily available to us as a garden center. Um, but it's you know you, you make more sales. That's, that's truly what it is. So if you got one in the spring and planted it and oh, it yeah. established its roots, yes. it probably... Probably will have a chance to last. The longer. reason why it's not overwintering is because you're buying it and planting it in fall, and you're usually buying it when it's already starting to flower. Anything that's in full flower mode at the time of planting um, just takes longer to get established, mm-hmm. and you're only giving it a month at mm-hmm. best. If you don't plant your mum in the ground until October, you, you're sinister. Not be, it's yeah, sinister. Yeah, I know. So that's that's, <laughs> that's just the way it works. All right, so uh, the hours now, uh, Monday through Saturday. Nine to five. And there are a ton, a ton of fall colors there right now. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the sales yard, if you, if you still need to get your plant fix, Hair Nursery is loaded with plants. We're fall to, colors. Yeah, it's not, it's not skimpy right now. You're going to be able to find what you're looking for. And that pepper plant you said brings a lot of color. Oh, my gosh. Just we have, don't eat it. Yes. Oh, maybe, I did it again maybe this in year. a Bloody Mary. Every but... year. Every year I try one of them, and every year I highly regret it. Yeah. Uh, for Ethan Wise, I'm Dan DiOrio. Thanks for listening to Green Thumb from Hair Nursery. See you next Saturday at 7.